everyone, I'm Em and welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 212, Shin Godzilla. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a regular returning listener or an irregular returning listener, whether you are a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are just a huge fan of Godzilla, thank you for being here. Thank you for choosing to listen to this podcast. I am, as always, so happy to have you here, not just to have you here, but also because we're going to be talking about the history and legacy of Shin Godzilla. And this is a movie that I've wanted to talk about for such a long time. And I feel like I always say that. Every single episode always starts with, well, this is a movie I've wanted to talk about for such a long time. But when you have a movie podcast, you want to talk about everything. And I mean everything. Every time you see a movie that you haven't seen before, you want to talk about it. I'm the sort of person. I love to find stuff out about movies pretty much as soon as I see them. I've recently just watched Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Highly recommend that movie, by the way. But as soon as I finished watching it, I got out of the cinema and I was like, I need to know more about this movie. And I mean, maybe I'm the weirdo because I guess that's kind of how I've always been. But genuinely, as soon as I saw Shin Godzilla, I thought I have to talk about this movie. And I think it's one of those movies that not many mainstream podcasts talk about Shin Godzilla, or at least not many mainstream podcasts that I know of have talked about Shin Godzilla. So I'm really genuinely fascinated about this movie. But before I go into it, I always like to thank you for listening. And basically, thank you for listening to recent episodes. So the most recent episodes of this podcast are on Bong Joon-ho's The Host and Godzilla 1998. and Really, especially on Godzilla, because that's only gone and become the biggest episode of the year. Genuinely. First day downloads, Godzilla has been huge and he's basically blown every other episode that I've released this year out of the water. I don't know whether it's people hate listening, because sometimes if people really hate a movie, they'll want to listen. I don't tend to go in for slating movies. So if people hate listened expecting me to completely slate Godzilla 1998, they'd probably walk away a little bit disappointed because there's actually a lot to like about that movie. And it's a fascinating story, you know. That's why I do what I do, is to talk about the fascinating stories. And there's none more fascinating than the story of the first US Godzilla remake. I'm sure Zilla himself is pretty pleased because I think generally he gets a bit of a bad rap. But what I'm doing this month on Verbal Diorama is I'm doing something called Kaiju. It's not original, trust me. I know Kaiju has been used before. But I'm really excited because I love monster movies. I love Kaiju movies. I love movies with big, huge monsters smashing the place up. And the reason why I wanted to do Kaiju was I wanted to cover movies like The Host and Shin Godzilla. Maybe movies that people haven't really heard of because they're foreign. And I also wanted to cover movies like Godzilla, 1998, because they are movies that lots of people have heard of, but not many people like. When it comes to the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you the final movie for Kaiju, and I'm so excited to be talking about that one. But Godzilla is back. He has returned to this podcast after, well, no break at all, really, because last episode was also on Godzilla. So we're going from Godzilla, 1998, to Shin Godzilla. And obviously, the history of Godzilla... I'm going to go through it. It's such a fascinating history, a fascinating character. But this Godzilla is an actual Japanese remake of the original story. It is a story rooted in tragedy, disaster, 
government bureaucracy, red tape. And you may not know this particular version of Godzilla. And as I say, you'd be forgiven if this movie has passed you by. Not particularly well known here in the West, unfortunately. But I implore you to please, if you would like to, because I do spoil a little bit about the evolution of the character in this movie. If you have not seen Shin Godzilla, please go find a copy of Shin Godzilla because genuinely it is a super fun movie and it will absolutely terrify you because this is possibly the most terrifying version of Godzilla ever brought to screen. And I say that not seeing every single version of Godzilla, but of the Godzillas I have seen, this one is genuinely terrifying. But even though it's terrifying and horrific, it doesn't mean it's not meaningful. There's something in Tokyo Bay and it's coming ashore. It's the trailer for Shin Godzilla. appearing as a grotesque and rapidly evolving sea creature, Godzilla makes its way towards Tokyo, leaving a trail of destruction in its wake. As the government struggles to respond effectively to this unprecedented threat, bureaucratic red tape and internal conflicts hinder their efforts. A team of scientists, politicians and military personnel must come together to find a solution and prevent further devastation. Let's run through the cast. I'm only really going to go through the primary cast of this movie because there are a hell of a lot of human characters in this movie. Basically, the whole of the Japanese government. But I'm just going to talk about the three primary cast members because they are the three most important people in this movie. And they are Hiroki Hasegawa as Rando Yaguchi, Yutaka Takanuchi as Hideki Akasaka, and Satomi Ishihara as Kayoko and Patterson. Shin Godzilla was written by Hideaki Arno and was directed by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi. And in previous entries in Kaijun, most specifically The Host, but also Godzilla 98 to an extent, the stories have never been about the monster. The monster is the focus, the monster is the title, but humans have always been the real monsters. Just like The Host with Bong Joon-ho taking inspiration from real events, the story of Godzilla as a character starts exactly the same way, but instead of impacting a city, it impacted a whole nation. The United States dropped two atomic bombs over the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on the 6th and 9th of August 1945, respectively. 
The aerial bombings, the only time nuclear weapons have been used in armed conflict, killed between 129,000 and 226,000 people, most of them civilians. The UK gave their consent to the bombings of large urban areas with significant military facilities, and for months afterwards, many people continued to die from the effects of burns, radiation sickness and injuries compounded by illness and malnutrition. There were plans for further attacks, but on the 15th of August, six days after the bombing of Nagasaki, Japan surrendered to the Allies. On the 2nd of September 1945, the Japanese leadership formally declared their country's surrender, bringing an end to the conflict. It was not the only time that Allied forces bombed Japan, but the only time nuclear weapons had been used. Japan's painful history with the atomic bomb gave them a unique perspective as the only country to have ever been affected by nuclear weapons. Their fears of the atomic bomb and how humanity deals with such a thing are what make Godzilla. The fears of a nation and the embodiment of a man-made creation that is unpredictable, unprecedented and terrifying. But man-made and natural disasters are both something Japan knows all too well. In 1923, the Kanto earthquake destroyed much of Japan's infrastructure. The earthquake caused firestorms that swept across cities, tarmac melted due to heat. 38,000 people died after taking shelter in an army clothing depot in downtown Tokyo, which was engulfed by a fire whirl. Tokyo, Yokohama and the surrounding prefectures of Chiba, Kanagawa and Shizuoka were devastated, and most of Japan's fledgling cinema was destroyed. In 1932, the Tokyo Takarazuka Theatre Company was formed by railway tycoon Ichizo Kobayashi as a place to show kabuki, classical Japanese theatre, and traditional dance. Kabuki, with his action and battle sequences, and Bunraku, Japanese puppetry, is where something called tokusatsu got its origins. I'm going to come back to tokusatsu in a bit. As the country was rebuilding post-World War II, from the theatre company came Photographic Chemical Laboratories, or PCL, I'm also going to come back to them shortly too. But most importantly came a film production company and distributor. Their first film, Three Sisters with Maiden Hearts, came out in 1935. And in 1954, the most expensive film ever made in Japan was produced and distributed by this company. Directed and co-written by Akira Kurosawa, Seven Samurai was a huge hit in Japan and is now considered one of the greatest films ever made. And 1954 turned out to be a great year for this company. This company would become Toho, by the way. Not only giving the world one of the greatest movies ever made in Seven Samurai, but also creating a cultural touchstone, an icon of cinema, a character almost 70 years later is still revered, respected and loved despite his turbulent cinematic history, the character of Gojira, or as he's known to the West, Godzilla. Gojira, the name derived from Gorira, Gorilla and Kujira whale is, like modern Japan, born from the effects of the atomic bomb. And while his various iterations would become friendly, playful anti-heroes, fighting for mankind against other monsters as the eras of Godzilla progressed, the original incarnation was nature taking revenge on mankind. And it's this version that inspires what we're actually here to talk about. Shin Godzilla, Shin meaning true, new or god. The primary forces behind 1954's Godzilla were special effects director Eiji Tsuburaya and director Ishiro Honda. Tsuburaya was a huge fan of Willis O'Brien, the animator of King Kong, and mentor of Ray Harryhausen, and would go on to develop several of the techniques that would later become pillars of the kaiju genre and help forge the development and popularity of tokusatsu. 
featuring heavy practical effects, miniature sets that scaled down cities, and Suitmation, inspired by the American film King Kong and its 1952 re-release in Japan, along with the success of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms in 1953. Well, King Kong's release in 1933 was seen as the breakthrough of monster movies, the 1925 movie The Lost World, also animated by Willis O'Brien, also features stop-motion monsters. Technically, Godzilla is seen as the first kaiju film, but one of the first references to kaiju to describe a giant monster was in 1908. Ishiro Honda had met Iwayo Mori while at Nihon University studying art, and Mori offered him an entry-level job at PCL. I told you we'd come back to it. Honda eventually completed his studies while working at the studio and became an assistant director, which required him to be a scripter in the editing department. Honda eventually became a third assistant director on Satoji Kimura's The Elderly Commoner's Life Study in 1934, before being drafted into military service that year. After completing his service, Honda returned home in December 1942, only to find that PCL, now rebranded as Toho by that point, were being forced to produce propaganda films to support the war effort. The government took control of the Japanese film industry in 1939, modelling the passage of motion picture laws after Nazi policies where scripts and films were reviewed. So they supported the war effort and non-compliant filmmakers were punished. Honda's experiences in the military would deepen his pacifist views. The propaganda films he was forced to make needed special effects, which would link him to, and he would then work with, A.G. Tsuburaya. On the 1st of March 1954, the Japanese fishing boat Daigo Fukuro Maru, Lucky Dragon No. 5, had been hit with radioactive fallout from the American military's nearby Castle Bravo hydrogen bomb test just before Godzilla started filming. The fish on board became contaminated, which caused a fish safety scare in Japan. One crew member later passed away from radiation poisoning. The incident sparked the growth of a significant and sustained anti-nuclear campaign that by August 1955, had collected 30 million signatures on a petition against nuclear weapons, which was institutionalized as the Japan Council Against Atomic and Hydrogen Bombs. Producer Tomoyuki Tanaka conceived the idea for a giant monster film inspired by the 1953 film The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and the Daigo Fukuryumaru incident. Tanaka wrote an outline with the working title The Giant Monster from 20,000 Miles Beneath the Sea or Kaitai Niman Mayuru Karakita Dakaiju and pitched it to executive producer Iwayo Mori. Mori approved the project in mid-April 1954 after special effects director Eiji Tsuburaya agreed to do the film's effects and confirmed that the film was financially feasible. Mori also felt the project was perfect as a vehicle for Tsuburaya to test the storyboarding system that he'd created at the time. Mori also approved Tanaka's choice to have Ishiro Honda direct the film due to his wartime experience, which would make him an ideal candidate for the film's anti-nuclear themes. The title was shortened to Project G, G for Giant, but would eventually be named Gojira. Tsuburaya originally wanted to use stop motion for the film's special effects, but realised that it would take seven years to complete, based on the current staff and infrastructure at Toho. Settling on suitmation and miniature effects, Tsuburaya and his crew scouted locations that Godzilla was to destroy, most of the miniatures were built at 125 scale, but the diet building was scaled down to 133 scale to look smaller than Godzilla. It proved to be too expensive to use stop motion extensively throughout the picture, but the final film did include a stop motion scene of Godzilla's tail destroying the Nichigeki Theatre building. Godzilla was first released 
on the 27th of October 1954 in Nagoya and nationwide on the 3rd of November 1954. Godzilla set a new opening day record for any Toho film by selling 33,000 tickets at Toho Cinemas in Tokyo and selling out at Nichigeki Theatre. After the film's success in Japan, Toho sold the American rights to Joseph E. Levine for $25,000. A heavily altered version of the film was released in the US and worldwide as Godzilla, King of the Monsters on the 27th of April 1956 and featured new footage with Canadian actor Raymond Burr interacting with body doubles mixed with Honda's original footage to make it seem like he were part of the original Japanese production. Honda was unaware that Godzilla had been re-edited until the American version was released in Japan as Monster King Godzilla in May 1957. So before we go into anything else, let's just go through the various eras of Godzilla. I did this last episode, but if you didn't listen to last episode, let's just go through them again. You have the Showa era from 1954 to 1975. That is Godzilla to Terror of Mechagodzilla. The High Sai era, 1984 to 1995, the return of Godzilla to Godzilla versus Destroyer. The Millennium era, 1999 to 2004, starting with Godzilla 2000 Millennium to Godzilla Final Wars. And the Reiwa era, 2016 to present, starting with this movie, Shin Godzilla in 2016, through to the untitled Toho Godzilla film of 2023. I am going to be talking a little bit about that one later on. It's safe to say, though, that Godzilla changed the landscape of cinema and ushered in a uniquely Japanese perspective in a field traditionally dominated by American cinema, forever altering the landscape of Japanese science fiction and fantasy on film. The Godzilla franchise has been recognised by Guinness World Records as being the longest continually running film franchise after the release of 2014's Godzilla, which, of course, is the Gareth Edwards US remake. Tokusatsu would evolve into the superhero genre, giving the world Super Sentai and Kamen Rider. Super Sentai, most well known for being the source material which became Power Rangers. Kamen Rider having his own multiple films and TV shows, culminating in Shin Kamen Rider, which is due out later this year, which has connections to Shin Godzilla and also Shin Ultraman. So the last episode of this podcast was about Godzilla 1998. Not a flop by any stretch financially, but a disappointment for Sony and TriStar, a disappointment for fans of Godzilla and also for Toho, who, whilst they did approve the monster himself, went on to quickly denounce the film, as well as that version of Godzilla, which was rebranded Zilla, and they would also have their Godzilla defeat him pretty quickly in Godzilla Final Wars in 2004. And then there was nothing. There were no new Godzilla movies from Toho, at all. The millennium era of Godzilla ended in 2004 and it would take a second attempt at a US remake to kickstart Toho's Raiwa era. Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla, which isn't featured in this kaijun, but I will talk about the monsterverse at some point, was a huge critical and commercial success for legendary pictures and Warner Brothers. The licensing deal made between Toho and Warner Brothers made agreements that both could make Godzilla films, but they could not come out in competing years. The 2014 Godzilla would essentially become the definitive US remake instead of the 1998 version. And it basically dusted off the cobwebs. It made more than $500 million worldwide and also topped the Japanese box office. The success of Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla meant Toho announced it would make its first Godzilla film in 10 years, with production slated to begin in 2015 
and a monster that could stand alongside a big-budget Hollywood production. In March 2015, Toho announced the film would be co-directed by Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi, both collaborated on the anime Neon Genesis Evangelion. In addition to Arno writing the screenplay and Higuchi directing the film's special effects, Arno had been approached by Toho in January 2013, but declined due to his mental health going downhill after completion of Evangelion 3.0, You Cannot Redo. He felt like he had no confidence that he could come close to the original 1954 Godzilla. And the pressure was overwhelming. It was his longtime friend Shinji Higuchi, who directed the live-action Attack on Titan, who would convince him that they could do it together. The 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami and the resulting Fukushima Daiichi nuclear accident, as well as the resulting government response, provided the inspiration for Shin Godzilla. In contrast to the original Godzilla, which was created as a metaphor for the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, this Godzilla would be created from nuclear waste instead of a nuclear bomb, but the result would be like the original, a terrifying monster laying waste to Japan but also a creature that could evolve to suit his new environment, making him even more of a threat to humanity. But the production was shrouded in secrecy, with next to nothing known about the plot or cast. When the primary three cast members were announced in September 2015, even their roles were unspecified. Hiroki Hasegawa was due to play a government official, Yutaka Takanuchi was due to play a government official, and Satomi Ishihara was due to play a US agent. Hasegawa and Ishihara also did have roles in Shinji Higuchi's Attack on Titan. When it came to effects for Shin Godzilla, an upper body animatronic was originally conceived for the movie and images of it would end up leaking onto the internet in early 2016. But the production would decide to forego a practical approach and instead use primarily CG for their Godzilla with motion capture performed by Mansai Nomura. The new Godzilla was created by Mihiro Maeda, who had previously collaborated with Higuchi on Ultraman Powered and the Haisai Gamera trilogy. Toho rejected Arno and Higuchi's original plan for a traditional Godzilla to morph throughout the movie, leading to some of the craziest concept imagery in the entire series. But they discovered as long as they changed into a more traditional form, they could still get away with weird designs, and they had a lot of leeway when it came to giving Godzilla new skills. The maquettes for Godzilla's second, third, and fourth forms were sculpted by Takayuki Takeya. A model of Godzilla's tail that features the monster's fifth form was also sculpted by Takeya and can be seen in the closing shot of the movie as the only physical Godzilla prop. And this Godzilla design would be a drastic difference to the original Japanese design, but instead of the Godzilla 98 living creature, this CG version would have the appearance of a rubber suit intentionally. Announced originally as Godzilla Resurgence for the international market, it would eventually revert to Shin Godzilla and would be revolutionary for being a completely CG Japanese Godzilla with Hideaki Arno responsible for co-editing the movie as well as writing and directing alongside Shinji Higuchi. And because this Godzilla just didn't have the budget of an American Godzilla, they had to be frugal when it came to visual effects. Like most productions, they had three units, A, B and C. Unit A handled the scenes featuring actors and or extras. Unit B handled the tokusatsu effects. And Unit C handled B-roll footage. They used Adobe Premiere Pro CC, which is light, stable and easy to use. It seamlessly connects to other post-production systems and multiple people can access the software simultaneously. Using bespoke or creating software in-house simply was not an option here. Filming began on the 1st of September 2015 at the Kamata Railway Station in Tokyo, 
and wrapped at the end of October 2015. The final budget for this movie is astoundingly cheap. It's estimated to be only $15 million. And for that, we get four forms of Godzilla. Godzilla is on screen for 18 minutes and 8 seconds. Each of his forms is different, but each evolving to become the fourth and final traditional Godzilla. So Godzilla's first form is mostly unseen, apart from its tail and part of its back. The tail is reddish in colour, and this is the version that appears first in the water only. Godzilla's second form, which is more of a dim yellow-green light brown colour, and officially described as having the head of an eel shark, is unlike any other version of Godzilla in that he leans almost completely forward. He has underdeveloped stumps for arms, huge googly eyes, very visible red gills that hang from his neck, and spout blood as the creature struggles to breathe initially on land, a gaping open mouth, tan dorsal plate, a long tail, and comparatively large hind legs which manage to support him as he crawls through the city. Godzilla's third form, stands upright, is more of a dark, dull red or brown colour, and almost twice as tall as the previous form. It has almost white dorsal plates, blood-red coloration running down its back, under the plates from the heat that it generates. Additionally, it now possesses small forearms and its legs are more stretched out as a result of standing upright. The fourth and final form bears much more resemblance to past Godzilla designs than the previous forms, although there are some differences. The fourth form is reminiscent of the 1954 original design with a rounded head and small beady eyes and black, scarred, bumpy skin. The mouth lacks a tongue and is full of crooked and incredibly large teeth some of which are growing from the flesh outside of his mouth. When Godzilla fires his atomic breath, his upper jaw unhinges from his lower jaw, which spits open just like the Gwomel in The Host. The eyes are small compared to the previous forms and appear sunken into their sockets with no eyelids. In place of eyelids, this form has a silvery, nictitating membranes called anti-flash defensive membranes that cover its eyes and protect it from harm. And the flesh is covered in scars and lesions that sometimes emit a reddish glow which change to purple and then white when Godzilla charges his atomic breath. Unlike most other iterations of Godzilla, this Godzilla's tail is incredibly long and has small spike-like dorsal plates running along its lengths. And in the final sequences of the movie, as Godzilla stands frozen in the streets of Tokyo, there are several humanoid skeleton-like creatures with Godzilla's dorsal plates on their backs, seen sprouting from the end of his tail, reaching out to the sky. And this was to be his fifth form. And these slightly resemble alien xenomorphs. It's implied that as a creature evolving to survive, Godzilla evolves to create humanoid creatures, but is frozen before it can birth them. This idea was fairly controversial among Godzilla fans, who didn't like the idea of Godzilla evolving to become a humanoid army. A 560-page book titled The Art of Shin Godzilla included concept art by Mihiro Maeda, the various rejected evolutions, including a two-headed Godzilla and a flying Godzilla. While the CG of the movie focuses on Godzilla, there are also CG weapons and tanks with the Japanese self-defense force actively cooperating on the various types of machinery and hardware and the CG destruction of some buildings. But there were some physical sets in the movie emulating the original physical sets of the original Godzilla. And it is nice that a production like this in 2016 can harken back to the original 1954 movie. And there is no easy way to segue into this because, trust me, it's bad. But 
the obligatory Keanu reference for this episode. So this is a part of the podcast where try and link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. And this is probably the worst. I mentioned in the host that I didn't know how I was going to link Keanu to several kaiju movies. I managed it for Godzilla 98 because of the Yann de Bont of it all. The host was a really bad link, but this is probably the worst because there is genuinely no way for me to link Keanu to Shin Godzilla. Literally none. The only thing that I have, it's so tenuous, is he did have a movie out at about the same time. It's a drama called The Whole Truth. It came out 10 days after Shin Godzilla's limited release in the US. And that is the absolute best that I'm going to do. And it's awful. And I'm sorry. But it's getting harder and harder to link Keanu to these movies. I'm hoping the next movie will be substantially easier. But without really giving it some thought, I'm still not entirely sure how I'm going to do it. Let's talk about the music in this movie because the movie has a score by Shiro Sagisu and the score reuses multiple Akira Ipukubi songs from the Godzilla franchise as a whole. It includes several remixes of Decisive Battle from Sagisu's Neon Genesis Evangelion score. Ipukubi also developed The Monster's Roar, which is also used in the movie. It was produced by rubbing a resin-covered leather glove along the loosened strings of a double bass. When it came to marketing Shin Godzilla, without making any prior announcement, Toho released a promotional reel for the movie at the American film market in November 2015 in the hopes of selling it to foreign markets. And this is where the movie was briefly marketed as Godzilla Resurgence. Toho published the first teaser trailer and poster in December 2015, showcasing Toho's new Godzilla design and the movie's 29th of July 2016 release date. And if you want some facts about Godzilla himself, well, Shin Godzilla is 118.5 metres tall. That's 389 foot. He's more than 10 metres taller than the 2014 Godzilla, but not as tall as Godzilla from King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong, who stands at 120 metres or 393 foot tall. That's impressive when you consider that in 1954, Godzilla started out at just 50 metres or 164 foot tall. So on the 29th of July 2016, Shin Godzilla premiered in Tokyo along Kabukicho Central Road with a red carpet provided by the hotel gracery Shinjuku, which was home to a gigantic Godzilla head that extended 118.5 metres above the ground. At the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, it was announced that Funimation would distribute the film for the North American, Central American, South American and Caribbean markets for a late 2016 release as Shin Godzilla instead of Godzilla Resurgence. This was at the insistence of Toho. Funimation gave the film an initial one-week limited release in the US and Canada from the 11th to the 18th of October in Japanese with English subtitles, making it the first Japanese Godzilla film to receive a theatrical North American release since Godzilla 2000. Due to popular demand, Funimation extended the film's North American theatrical run with encore screenings for 22nd of October and selected cinemas offering daily screenings through to 27th of October. In Japan, Shin Godzilla earned 625 million yen, which is $6.1 million, on its opening weekend. It was number one at the box office that weekend, earning 23% more than the 2014 Godzilla and triple the last film in the series, Godzilla Final Wars. Considering it was out during the Rio Olympics, the film stayed at number one for two weekends before dropping to third in week three, 
behind The Secret Life of Pets and The Jungle Book before returning back up to first. It dropped a second on its fifth week due to the release of Your Name, which if you've listened to episode 77 of this podcast, you'll know that Your Name was a huge hit in Japan and also distributed by Toho. Shin Godzilla would stay in the top 10 in Japan for 11 weeks. It would earn $75.4 million during its Japanese run and $1.9 million from its limited American release for a total worldwide gross of $77.5 million. Critically, Shin Godzilla was acclaimed in Japan, but given a mixed reception elsewhere, mostly due to the complicated dialogue and scenes of bureaucratic, crowded subplot and multiple meetings upon meetings upon meetings. That was kind of the point. Why action something when you could have another meeting about it? This is set in a world without Godzilla, and should a monster like this suddenly exist, you know any country in the world would likely have their leaders have multiple meetings about what to do. And also, the humans have never been important in a Godzilla movie. Not only was Shin Godzilla a huge critical success and financial success, it was also a huge awards darling as well. It would be nominated for 11 Japan Academy Prize Awards. This is Japan's equivalent of the Oscars. It won seven of those awards, including Picture of the Year and Director of the Year. It also won Best Film at the 59th Blue Ribbon Awards and an Asian Film Award for Best Visual Effects. You'll recall that I mentioned earlier there is a new Godzilla movie due out this year in 2023. Toho's contract with Legendary Entertainment prevents it from releasing a live-action Godzilla movie in the same year as Legendary. So Legendary released Godzilla King of the Monsters in 2019. That was originally scheduled for release in 2018. And Godzilla vs. Kong in 2021, which was originally scheduled for release in 2020. Now, Tohan have released a trilogy of anime Godzilla films after Shin Godzilla. They were Godzilla Planet of the Monsters in 2017, Godzilla City on the Edge of Battle in 2018, and Godzilla the Planet Eater in 2018. They were made by Toho and Polygon Pictures. Toho said in May 2018 that it would prefer to create a shared universe instead of making a direct sequel to Shin Godzilla. Hideaki Arno did plan to make a sequel to Shin Godzilla with a working title of Shin Godzilla's Counter-Attack. However, the film is due out later this year, this November 2023, is completely unrelated to Shin Godzilla. It is currently untitled, it's directed and written by Takashi Yamazaki, and it takes place in post-war Japan between 1945 and 1947. So while it is kind of sad that we're not going to see a sequel to this movie, it's also probably a good thing because those little creatures, I mean, how are we going to fight them? They look pretty terrifying. Right, let's move over to some social media thoughts. There's not as many as there were for Godzilla 98, which is surprising. But we're going to start with the patrons and we're going to start with Brett, who says, as someone who is not well-versed in the Toho Godzilla world, this film was not what I expected. This shows you more of the politics behind the events of the Godzilla attack, rather than it just being Godzilla destroying everything for two hours. Godzilla's design is also super unique, giving us different stages of the big guy, while also just showing us possibly the most powerful Godzilla ever seen on film. Overall, I really enjoyed this film. A shout-out to my co-host, Dan, who had me check this one out. And well done, Dan, for making Brett watch this movie because it's great. And um, I always like to give patrons who have podcasts a plug. So Brett's podcast is called Dissect That Film. And they basically like to talk about and review movies every week. 
And it's basically the good, the bad, and the ugly of anything and everything. And it is Brett and aforementioned Dan and Angela, and they do movie retrospectives, new releases, and TV show discussions. We'll pop some info in the show notes for Descent That Film. Moving over to Twitter, we have at DW Lundberg, who said, The best Zinner since 1954. Not only is this iteration of the monster absolutely horrifying and dangerous, but the way the movie satirises government action and inaction is hilarious and on point. At Diabonical Pod said, I remember feeling that covering all the developmental stages made the creature seem both more believable and more of a threat. It's a beautifully paced tension build. You know at some point it's going to spew a big laser whitey all over the gaff. And at Film Enjoyer 93 said, It's my personal favourite Godzilla film of them all. No comments on Instagram or on Facebook, but as I say, this is not a Godzilla movie that I expect many people have seen. But I always welcome people's comments on this podcast. So thank you to everyone for their comments on Shin Godzilla. And if you want to have your comments read out in episodes too, then simply comment on the thoughts posts that go up on social media. They normally go up on a Friday. Comment on the post on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. I am at Verbal Diorama. And I will read your comment out and I will credit you as well. Last week's episode was all about the US Roland Everett remake, Godzilla. The first Godzilla movie I ever saw. And this is the only Japanese Godzilla movie that I've ever seen. And as such, I kind of felt like it was the perfect juxtaposition from Godzilla 1998 into a modern Japanese Godzilla and what that might mean for modern Japan. Speaking of Zilla, there's more of a link to him in this movie than many people realise. A Godzilla who retreats when he realises he needs sanctuary. A Godzilla producing more versions of himself, albeit this one's creatures are never fully realised. A Godzilla with a radical new design. It's not the popular approach to compare any Godzilla to the 1998 Godzilla. But Shin Godzilla tries something new with the material too. Just maybe not as obviously as Emmerich's Godzilla did. But it also pays homage to what came before, which is something that Emmerich definitely didn't do giving it imagery of the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami and the resulting nuclear power plant disaster grounds Shin Godzilla into reality and the imagery of the tsunami, the rows of boats and cars being pushed through the canal system and street by Godzilla's second form is striking and harrowing enough. But then he starts spewing radiation, accidentally irradiating one of the largest cities on the planet. There's a shot of the radiation cloud familiar to anyone who followed the Fukushima meltdown. And then you get the genuine terror of Godzilla himself, an unstoppable beast evolving before our eyes, adapting to the environment he finds himself in, destroying the city in his wake. It's almost like his abilities come as a surprise to him, as he finds himself able to shoot atomic breath out of not only his mouth, but his dorsal fins and tail, which is an absolutely phenomenal sight to witness. He is an astonishing creature, and while I would have loved to see the animatronic that they made, the CG, while not always flawless, is absolutely incredible for such a small budget. $15 million, let's not forget. Gareth Edwards' 2014 Godzilla had a $160 million budget. Let's just stew on that for a sec. Godzilla isn't just a terrific and terrifying monster movie. It's also a deep satire of Japanese politics and specifically Japan's relationship with the US and the frustration of their 71-year connection with America. Japan was actively demilitarized after World War II, and no standing army is permitted in Japan, 
Instead, it has the Japanese Self-Defense Force, a resemblance of the National Guard, since 1954 for internal defense and responding to natural disasters. It's reliant on a post-war deal with the US for all external threats, hence why the US is so involved in the dealings with Shin Godzilla. In a way, it's a shame we won't see this Godzilla on the big screen again, but also you feel like humanity was woefully underprepared for him and his various forms. While the US monsterverse is fun, and I especially love Godzilla vs. Kong for giving us exactly what it said on the tin, there's something really special about Shin Godzilla. His origins mean that he's only truly at home in Japan. You can have Smashy Smashy Monster, but Shin Godzilla reminds us of the true destructive nature of natural and man-made disasters and the often devastating human response and how little we really know. He'll never come on land. Oh, now he's on land. The unknown is truly terrifying and that's exactly why we need a movie like Shin Godzilla. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Shin Godzilla. And if you want to get involved and you want to help this podcast grow, a thank you so much to everyone who does help this podcast grow and spread the word. I really, really appreciate it. But you can do several things. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can leave a rating or review wherever you found this episode. You can retweet or like posts on social media. I am at Verbal Diorama. You can find me Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd. And you can say hi to me as well if you wish. I will always reply. Or you can simply tell your friends and family about this podcast and help them download a podcast app and help them listen to podcasts, especially mums and dads, because I don't know about you, but I know my mum and dad really struggle with technology. So help the mums and dads to find Verbal Diorama and listen to an episode on Shin Godzilla. They will love it. And if you did like this episode of Shin Godzilla, you might also like the previous movies in Kai June. So episode 210, The Host. Terrific Bon Joon-ho movie. A lot of similarities between The Host and Shin Godzilla. And episode 211, Godzilla 1998. Because let's give Zilla some love. Because without him, we would not have something. We would not have a big pile of fish without Zilla. In all honesty, I have a lot of fondness for Godzilla 98. So please have a listen to those episodes and please watch those movies if you haven't recently. As always, give me feedback. Now, next episode, Kai June is going to be concluding with the next episode with the king of my heart. We've had the king of the monsters, now the king of my heart, Guillermo del Toro. Because a guy known for his monsters and his metaphors for man being the monster was surely ripe for a kaiju movie. So Del Toro went ahead and made Pacific Rim, and it is joyous. Often misjudged and misunderstood as just smashy, smashy monster robots. Pacific Rim, for me, is peak cinema. It's not perfect. The sequel infuriates me so much. I really don't like Pacific Rim Uprising at all, but I love the heartfelt attempt at making something wholly unique with Del Toro's trademark world building. Join me next week as I'm going to be talking about the history and legacy of Pacific Rim. This podcast is free and it always will be free. But if you do want to help support this podcast financially to help it grow, to get new equipment and subscriptions and all that fun stuff, you can sign up to support the show at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And you can join the amazing, wonderful, terrific patrons of this podcast. They are Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, 
Laurel, Derek, Fern, Kat, Andy, Mike, Luke, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sonny, Drew, Nicholas, So, Kev, Pete, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, Stu, Brett, Philip and Michelle. And we did have to have several Patreon meetings to discuss the list of the patrons, what order they were going to go in. Then we had to have another meeting to discuss who was making the coffee. And then we had to have another meeting. And oh no, there's Godzilla. Just just happens, you know. I have a merch story, verbaldiorama.com slash merch. You can also get in touch with me if you wish. You can email me, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Say hi, you can give me feedback, you can give me suggestions, or you can find my website, verbaldiorama.com. And you can also find me at filmstories.co.uk. You can find issues of the magazine that I write in and also articles online as well. And finally, 